And welcome to another exciting episode of the SoCal Showdown Podcast, your number one source of everything involving USC and UCLA college football, the greatest rivalry in all of college sports. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts representing the triumphant, with a question mark, uh, USC Trojans of Southern California. Uh, We'll get more into why exactly the question mark. And then, of course, with me, as always, my co-host, my frenemy for life, representing those gutsy, struggling Bruins of UCLA, Anthony Fletcher. Anthony, happy belated uh, Thanksgiving to you, and how are we feeling tonight? Um, Happy Thanksgiving to you, and, you know... I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're doing tonight. So, I'm, good. I'm, w- all right. I'm doing all right. We've got w- one more game this season. I, you know, I always look forward to it. Sure. Guys on the field. But sure. Of our disappointments the week prior, so I'm, I'm all good. Okay. So when exactly, uh, just a little before we get into the, the nit and gritty of the game, when exactly during the game were you over the game itself? Um, was it... <laughs> Like how how far into the game before you started realizing that this game is over? Well, you know, what? look, uh, <laughs> this game was such an emotional roller coaster. Okay, uh, as a lot of the games have been this season. Sure. Uh, you know, halftime it looked halftime looked like a completely different game than it looked. You know, you know, going into the fourth quarter. Sure. It was it was really you know after that first drive by UCLA. It was really sort of non-competitive for the majority of the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you know, UCLA put up a couple of scores, and, and it, you know, it, it seemed like it was going to be a close one. But you know, you, you guys were able to pull away, and then you know, UCLA went back on a, a run where they, you know, DPR tends to do looks brilliant for a quarter and a half, and right. take this shot. But you know, there were letdowns that didn't allow that for that to happen. So you know, I. I my, my mentality this season is kind of, you know, especially ever since the Washington State game has been, you know, you can't really give up on these guys because, you know, they, they have the capabilities of going on these streaks and making great comebacks, and it's just heartrending and really bad for my blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would, you know, certainly, certainly after DTR was taken off the field, and, you know, Austin Burton came in to close things out. It seems as though the UCLA coaching staff had sort of decided that this game was out of hand. Um, I would say that definitively I was over it at that point. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, now, you know, you talked about how it's an emotional roller coaster being a UCLA fan. That definitely was the case this entire season for USC as well. And, uh, you know, this game kind of was the same on both sides, I I would have to say. So let's get down to it. Uh, The SoCal Showdown this year, the I think it was it's either the 89th or the 79th meeting between these two stored programs. And in the end, USC comes out on top. It was a struggle, as Anthony mentioned before. But slowly but surely, USC started to pull away, and the game ended up being 52-35. to um, Many would say pretty much a blowout for USC. Uh, Slovis, honestly, probably the, the biggest highlight outside of maybe our wide receiving core. But Keaton Slovis threw for 515 yards, a school and rivalry record, no quarterback, 
on either side of our programs have ever thrown as many yards. It was Slovis's fourth 400-yard game, four out of the last five games he's thrown for over 400 yards as well as four touchdowns. Slovis has broken uh, the record for most passing yards by a true freshman in USC history. So, Anthony, going back to that question you've asked me a couple times this year so far, where would we rank uh, Keenan Slovis's freshman quarterback career so far compared to other freshman quarterbacks at USC? Uh, hands down now, I think this game kind of solidified it with a bullet that he is by far the number one a uh, true quarterback to ever start for USC. And, you know, again, yeah, there's been moments where he plays like this, that he looks far beyond his years. He looked in complete control of the game. There are moments where he's extended plays. He can scramble in the pocket. He stays long enough to allow our wide receiving core to be open. And But, you know, again, there's a little... Caveat to that, he even mentioned it to some of the reporters later after the game that any of the reporters could have thrown for 100 yards with the wide receiving core that USC possesses. And and I, I truly, truly believe that. I mean, he is very talented, but it doesn't hurt that he has so many weapons, as I mentioned last week on the podcast, and more, n- never more evident than now, in this game, four of our wide receivers had over 100 yards. Drake London, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vons, and of course, Michael Pittman Jr. All four of them had over 100 yards. Pittman had two touchdowns. Vons and London had a touchdown apiece. Uh, it was just a banner day for the USC offense. Except for the run game. Our run game still a little bit lagging. Though Carr did come back. Uh, had probably the best day in his season this year, 11 carries for 87 yards and a touchdown. Vavai Malapai also came back after having to go through some uh, knee rehab. He had 60 yards for two touchdowns, but total offense on the ground was less than 100 yards. So, you know, uh, not exactly the greatest uh, feat on the ground for USC, but because our air game was so good, We kind of didn't need to worry too much about a run game, but it is something. And again, we also still do not have uh, Marquis Stepback, who definitely looks like a much different type of running back that USC kind of needs, that big, heavy, strong running back compared to Vivi and Carr. Vivi can kind of be kind of a heavy running back or a little bit more finesse, especially Keenan Christensen. Christian is definitely one of those speed backs rather than a power back. But, you know, again, in this game, the run game really made no difference for USC. Our offense was all through the air, which really did well. Uh, You know, before we focus on your your offense, Anthony, real quick question for you. How did you feel about, and I'll, I'll definitely chime in about how I felt about USC's defense in this game, but what did you feel, you know, what was the issue with UCLA secondary, especially in trying to handle uh, Keaton Slovis and our wide receiving core? Uh, I don't think that the entire issue is with the secondary. Okay. <laughs> no, secondary certainly has its issues. You know, I think we lack elite athletes in the back end, you know, um, and that can be hard to over. That can be hard to overcome against you know quality receivers and an accurate quarterback. 
Um, but the, the problem is what it's been all season is a lack of pass rush. Mm. You know, <clears throat> when you lack pass rush and a quarterback can sit in the pocket and, and pick you apart all day, then, yeah, you know, <laughs> anybody's going to look good. And sure. don't get me wrong, Slovis has been brilliant, and he was brilliant against us uh, last week. You know, um, but, but we, we've made quarterbacks look good almost all year long because we – where we really lack elite athleticism and, and, and good players is on the edge of this defense and playing this weird hybrid defense and then playing off the ball. So we're giving up everything underneath. And then, you know, it's just, you know, it, it, it's difficult for a secondary to hold up like that. And we don't have big guys on the outside uh, in terms of our defensive backs, you know, and, if you're not going to be big, you got to play big. you got to be physical. But we just don't have those guys, really. You know? Darnay Holmes, I think, did his best to kind of mirror uh, mirror your guy Pittman for most of the game. And, you know, there were times when he did a really good job. But even even Darnay is, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a smaller guy. He's probably 5'9", you know, against your 6'4", Pittman. Yeah, you know? Pittman's so big. Darnay can be... Yeah, he can be the greatest cover guy in the world, but that doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. you know, when you're giving up that sort of size. Um, and, and, you know, guys like Elijah Gates, you know, and and and, and other guys in the secondary, Stephen Blaylock, you know, uh, Rashad, Rashad Williams, those guys need to step it up. And, and, you know, unfortunately, we have a ton of youth in that position. You know, we got a ton of experience, and we're lacking confidence. And this offseason is really going to be about trying to get the confidence of these guys back to a place where they can, they they know they can match up against receivers. You know, Elijah Gates in particular, the guy's been getting beat badly for the entirety of the season, and and you know he's the guy that we were expecting big things out of playing opposite Darnay Holmes on the outside this year. And, and he has not, unfortunately, played up to expectations. None of our defensive backs have in, in Austin. You know, we really missed Lake at free safety this year. <laughs> He's been out for most of the season with, uh, with you know, with some injury. We're, we're, obviously, Chip Kelly keeps those things close to the list. We're not even sure what the injury is. But Quinn Lake is, Lake is the guy that we, we we really thought would have shored things up in the middle of the defense at free safety, and, and we've missed him badly so you know injuries lack of experience uh you know poor play on the outside you know lacking physical capabilities those things all all hurt but it also hurts us a ton more when you know these guys don't have a proper pass rush you know forcing quarterbacks outside the pocket and forcing them into errant throws that they can take advantage of you know, and UCLA did its did its best. You know, we sent Chris Barnes up the middle on some blitzes. You know, these there were a couple of sacks on 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 um, Slovich, and you know he did a great job of staying in the pocket and keeping calm and, and still and still completing passes under duress. Got to give him all the credit in the world for that. But you know, if we were able to be more effective, particularly up the middle, um, I think we could have been more effective against them. But. You know, at this point in the season, your guy looks very in control of the offense. You know, he knows where his receivers are going to be. He gets it there in a hurry. So, you know, it would have been a hard matchup for us regardless. Yeah. But, you know, give your offense some credit. Granted, USC was able to stifle the problem um, 
the problem for USC last year, which was, of course, Joshua Kelly. And I do have to say, Anthony, kind of patting myself on the back, I did tell you that if Joshua Kelly had a horrible day, it would bode well for USC. And sure enough, Joshua Kelly, after tearing up USC for 180 yards last year, only 45 this year. And uh, that obvi- obviously... 280 yards. Yeah, 280 yards last year. I mean, he it might have well been. I mean, it honestly, last year Joshua Kelly pretty much beat USC by himself. There is no other no other player on that field that did anything to USC other than Joshua uh, Kelly. So, uh, that, I don't it, know. Yeah, but Kelly was more of the problem, if anything else. But you got to give DTR some credit uh, for a player that's been having quite a bit of an up-and-down season. 367 yards yeah. through the air is not bad at all. Three touchdowns, of course, the one interception to uh, I- Isaiah T- Taylor Thomas. Um, but... You know, and in the end, UCLA walking away with 35 points, which, you know, that there is some, and there's where the question mark kind of comes up for that victory that I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast. You know, the USC coaching staff, especially Clay Helton, has gloated about how much they took out Kelly from the game, which, yes, Definitely made a difference. Obviously made a difference. But, you know, when you let one weapon kind of go away and you totally forget about the other weapon, again, there were several moments in the game that UCLA, I mean, UCLA scored first, uh, were actually ahead at one point in the game other than at the beginning of the game, and were within 10 points uh, by halftime. So UCLA was still in a game that on paper probably should never have been in it to begin with so gotta give dtr some credit he did keep you guys into the in the game until it kind of fell apart near the end but it does leave a little bit of question about usc's defense and it's something that i think usc has been struggling all year with uh with this season is our defense has been pretty bad but a- anything you want to say about your your quarterback play from UCLA yeah yeah well I'll, I'll say this I'll look at it from this standpoint okay. I think if all things were equal and this was just about the offenses you feel like it easily won sure you know? sure um in you know, DTR when he's on he's on he's that good you know um uh he, he continues to make, you know, some errant throws and he makes mistakes that make you scratch your head at times. But, I mean, other times he's magic. Yeah. He is just magic with his ability to scramble, his ability to complete passes under duress at times. And, and, and it makes you wonder, why can't you see that more often? And, mm. you know, why does he wait until, you know, the, he's under pressure in order to make those sorts of plays? But that's sort of who he is at this time. Um, so, you know, it, <laughs> it, yeah, you know, Joshua Kelly, you know, USC at the end of it was going to choose their poison. So it doesn't surprise me that Josh Kelly had a bad game. It wasn't necessarily a bad game because he, he did what he needed to do. He was able to pick up some yard. He, he had, and some games can't be just about the numbers that you put up. Right. You know, some, sometimes it has to be about the pressure that you put on a defense mm-hmm. and their defense was very focused on stacking the box and taking away running lanes from, from Joshua Kelly. Even at times when he was, uh, you know, he was able to, you know, break for a few yards, 
there's always somebody on the back end pursuing who's able to catch up his legs and, and make a tackle on him. But that opened things up for uh, DTR, particularly on the ground. It took one player out of coverage at times for DTR to be passing downfield, especially in the middle of the field, uh, to guys like Kyle Phillips and, and, um, uh, and Devin Asiasi. You know, who had a huge game for UCLA. So, you know, I think Joshua Kelly accomplished what he needed to accomplish in terms of allowing the offense to be effective because of his play, even though he wasn't able to find running way. You know, now I do think that if this game was closer, you know, and, and USC had to respect the passing game a little bit more to keep UCLA off the board because you guys went so far ahead, maybe Kelly would have been able to find some of those uh, running lanes and take advantage. But, you know, the nature of the game doesn't allow for, for it didn't allow for him to be successful and for DTR to find, uh, you know, uh, find receivers down the field and to find running lanes in the middle of the field. Because, I mean, you saw the same game I saw. There were times when, you know, DTR was very decisive in just taking off and running with the ball, which is what we needed right. for him at that time. Right. Um, if we could have taken advantage of that earlier on, um, it might have been a different game. Who knows? Sure. Which is actually kind of surprising because that's usually, as we all, I, I don't think it's any secret, that's usually USC's biggest detriment is a mobile quarterback. I mean, you look at the one man that's beaten USC all four years of his college career, and Brett Hundley, who was you know, just as mobile as any mobile quarterback, you know, maybe, maybe not even the most mobile, but I mean, that's where he just destroyed USC because he could move. And for whatever reason, USC just does not want to tackle a mobile quarterback. So yeah, I agree with you. I don't know why DTR didn't take or why I don't know if it's DTR or the coaching staff. I don't know why they didn't try to take more advantage of that, but uh, it is what it is. The one bright spot for USC's defense, uh, turning over to the other side of the ball, was, of course, Talanoa Hufunga. 18 total tackles, one sack, two tackles for a loss, and a pass deflection. I mean, he just had a tremendous game. And honestly, you know, struggling with all the injuries that he has, two collarbone, uh, two broken collarbones, um, dislocated shoulder, it, the only the only enemy that Hufunga has is basically himself because he just cannot stay healthy. But when he does, he is just a beast on the field. Um, uh, you know, reminds so many people of a possible the next uh, Troy Polamalu. And again, Troy uh, fortunately was at the game, and you know, a lot of people are saying his his spirit kind of transferring over to Hufunga because I mean, Hufunga just tears up the field like Big Troy did back in the day. Um, but again, other than that, you know, again, giving up so many yards and points on uh, for UCLA. A team that probably shouldn't have been as involved in the game as as they did as they were. I, I still think the defense is definitely something that has been an issue this whole entire season. We'll talk a little bit about coaching changes later on in the podcast, but you know, definitely feel it. It says something when. The one really major improvement for USC after going five and seven last year and now uh, eight and four this year is you you had a offense that was completely inept and you fire the offensive coach and hire a new one in Graham Harrell. 
But yet, for whatever reason, the defensive coach and the special teams coach both stay. And yet now here in this new year, our offense is one of the best offenses in the country. But our defense is still horrendous and our special teams is just laughable. It says a lot about, you know, what decisions, again, that Coach Clay Helton has made so far in his tenure at USC and it, it definitely leads to something but uh, moving back on to the UCLA side Anthony what what do you have to say about your guys's defense I know you've already kind of mentioned a little bit any stars in the defense you want to kind of mention today I know kind of got beat up a little bit but anything positive to take away from your defense as you get ready to go into your last game of the season yeah you know Chris Barnes I think continues to be a player for this defense uh, you, you did a good job for, for UCLA. Um, you know, stacking against the run. He had nine tackles on the day, um, playing in the middle of that, in that, of that defense, uh, trying to clog up lanes. You know, you guys to do some blitzing and to get into the face of Kenan Slovich at times. Um, and, and he did a good job of that. Recorded a, a, a stack on the day, um, which I believe was his fifth of the season. Um, so, you know, he, he, he has played as well, you know, considering some of the dings he's taken for most of the season. He's been, he's been a good leader for this team. For this team. And, and he's one of those guys, you know, if you had more talent or more capable play around him, um, it's easy to see this defense being more successful um, with more guys who are playing as well as he's played all season. Um, so you know, he, I was glad at least to see him. You know, even it wasn't a, even though it wasn't in a win. You know, he had a good game. His final USC game as a as a Bruin, and hopefully that bodes well for him. You know, going into the offseason, potentially into the draft, we'll see. Um, but yeah, he's a guy I thought played really well okay. um, in the middle of the defense for us. Okay. And so, basically, not much left to say about the game on the USC side, except, of course, as we mentioned last week, the the biggest um, point of interest for pretty much all of USC fandom is what happens next. And so far, you know, it's been about a week now removed from the game. We're recording this on Friday, uh, day after Thanksgiving, right before Saturday. Yet no word from USC. Obviously, new assi- uh, new athletic director Mike Bone has been interviewed numerous times after the game about What's uh, the direction of the team after this season? Uh, I felt that, you know, Bone was very, very political about not alluding to much. He definitely wanted to focus a lot on this win, saying, you know, we just defeated our rivals in a very, very good game. Um, You know, I'll question that very, very good game comment. But, you know, victory is a victory. And to kind of just let us focus on that. And I think that's true. You know, you, you can't take away love them or hate them. And everyone knows my feelings on coach, head coach Clay Helton. You can't take away that this is a victory. Uh, on paper, a decisive victory. So I'm not surprised. And, you know, sadly, even Bo mentioned this too. There is still a possibility that USC can somehow sneak into the Pac-12 championship game. We'll, we'll have to wait and see if Utah loses to 24-point underdog Colorado. 
at Utah uh, and, and hopes for USC to somehow slide into that Pac-12 championship game. But, you know, I, I completely understand that if there is that possibility and USC does happen to make it, it would be kind of weird to, to have fired your coach already before going into a very important game like that. But, you know, once that game has been decided and more than likely USC is probably going to be heading to the Holiday Bowl, uh, which, you know, is, is is an okay bowl. It's not a great bowl, but it's an okay bowl. Um, then the question remains, what happens next with USC's coaching staff? And I'll be honest with you, Anthony, I, it gets scarier and scarier the longer that there's not really any rumblings of anything going on. There's still so much rumor and innuendos about who likes who, who's siding with who. Um you know, it's how much money it's going to cost to, to, you know, buy out Hilton. It's, it just really, it, it's, it's going to be interesting, needless to say. And it's, it's so at a point now that it's almost 50 50, really, whether or not Hilton stays or goes. And that hurts me to say because I felt there were moments where it should have been that moment, you know, and I think USC kind of missed it especially after the Oregon game. I think USC just missed their moments, and now it's just hard to get rid of, of Helton, you know. But uh, yeah. ugh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. A- anything else you want to mention about the, the USC-UCLA game before we move on to UCLA's last game of the season? Um, no, no, no. I'm particular about this game, you know. Well, yeah, I don't know. It depends on who's our coach. I mean, if it's again Coach Hilton, maybe. But uh, if yeah, it's it yeah, if it's if it's Urban Meyer, I don't know. We, you may not be seeing oh, that victory God. bell anytime soon. It, it might be the Coach Carroll days again. So we'll, we'll hit on that. I, you know, I, have some, I have some more things to say in regards to that. But okay. We'll hit on that in a little okay, bit. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Let's, let's, uh, let's preview this coming week then. All right. So, again, like I mentioned before, we are filming Friday evening. Uh, it is rivalry, quote-unquote rivalry um, week now for the rest of the Pac-12. They just had the Apple Cup game, Washington versus Washington State. Washington beat Washington State 31-13. That game just happened today. Uh, but tomorrow, the rest of the Pac-12 in action. Oregon State's going to number 14, Oregon. Yes, number 14, Oregon. The one game that Oregon should have been able to win and end up losing kind of screws up the rest of the Pac-12 now. But yeah, uh, number again, it's the I love your phrasing, Anthony, that the Pac-12 is truly the conference of cannibals because it this even if utah remains undefeated gets it i mean utah's ranked number six maybe they slide into the number four but man it's it's gonna require a lot of work for that um but yeah yeah, and i think i think utah's in a good spot you know in in you know two or time time I can't say the kid's name. The kid out of Alabama, Tua. No, okay. Tua, yeah. Um, <laughs> we just call him Tua. His, yeah. <laughs> his, his injury uh, and, you know, the perception of Alabama right now has made their hold on that five spot or that five spot, you know, pretty tenuous. And so, sure. 
you talk that shot. You know, if they can if they can come up with some definitive wins in against Colorado and, and then in the Pac-12 championship game. They seem like they're a good shot to re- represent the Pac-12 in the championship. Uh, I, I hope. Man, oh, man. Yeah, I, you know, I do too. And it would be, you know, I have no love for Utah. <laughs> no, me neither. But, uh, you know, it would be great to see a program like that that wasn't so long ago a group of five team. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Uh, you know, come in, come into the Pac-12 with their style of play mm-hmm. and, and succeed, and 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 you know, and, and eventually, hopefully, potentially make it into the college football play. I mean, that's a great story. Oh, you know, it really is. That's a Pac-12 story. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely right. Just adding on a little bit. It it, it does say something because I do remember there are a lot of negative negativity towards both Colorado and Utah coming into the Pac-12. Um, obviously, that's been done before. I, I remember the story about the Arizona teams. The rest of the Pac-8 weren't happy to have the Arizona teams coming into the Pac-10 uh, at, or Pac-8 to make it the Pac-10. And now, again, you see a team like Utah pretty much for the last – Five years or so, a pretty strong team, you know, definitely not a not a pushover team like, unfortunately, how Colorado's been. But you never know. Colorado could end up just being like Utah. It takes just a few good players, a few coaching changes to to change a program around for the better. And Utah has definitely done that. So, yes, it would be a great story to see. Hopefully they do better than Oregon has done so far. Or and Washington, good lord, both both of those teams have kind of dropped pack the Pac twelve hopes pretty quickly uh, of a championship. But again, lots of things still have to happen until then. So let's preview those games again. Oregon State visits number fourteen Oregon one p.m. on the Pac twelve network. Number sixteen Notre Dame takes on Stanford at Stanford one p.m. on Fox. Colorado at number six Utah four thirty p.m. ABC. Technically the marquee match of the day. Then you have Arizona at ASU seven p.m. on ESPN. And lo and behold, the last game of the evening seven thirty p.m. kickoff time. Cal at UCLA. Fox Sports 1. So Anthony, again, is going to be a long, long night for him on Saturday night. 7.30 p.m. means a 9.30 p.m. start time for Anthony out in Texas. But, Anthony, let's talk about it. Cal just became bowl eligible. Uh, Take it on UCLA. You know, the the biggest storyline, I got to play devil's advocate here. UCLA, once again, not bowl eligible. Um, going against a team that you know should have should be uh, technically on paper an easy win, but now kind of on the rise maybe. Uh, what motivation does UCLA have going into this game? Um, God, you had to start with that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, it depends on it depends on a lot of things. I think that UCLA. Has a lot of motivation. Okay. Going into this, this is the this is the last game for you know not a lot of the guys on this team, but guys like Chris Barnes and and Sean Lucer South. You know, this is going to be their last game sitting up uh, for for UCLA. You know, and so you know everybody wants to go out and make a great impression on their last game. I remember you know my senior year, you know, which was in, in two thousand one. <laughs> um, you know, our, our last game ended up being against Arizona State, which was, you know, that game ended up being delayed, unfortunately, because 
you know, 9-11 has happened. Oh, uh, yeah. The week of that game. Um, and so, you know, we ended up making, making up that game. And, and, you know, funny enough, we were bowl eligible, you know, with six wins and potentially a seventh win. Uh, but the question was put forth about whether or not we wanted to go to a bowl game. And, and you know, ultimately, the decision was made for us by the university. And I will never forget this. And I really won't forgive UCLA for this. But despite being bowl eligible and despite having interest from from uh, from bowls that year, we ended up not going to a bowl game by choice. Huh. Uh, by the choice of the university, I know. <laughs> And so, and I remember, you know, a lot of guys, there were a number of guys who were, you know, happy to go ahead and get their draft process started and start working out for the draft and, and getting ready for their all-star games or whatever else. And, and, you know, and I had to take on that mentality to a point. But I was really disappointed not to have that last opportunity to go out there and be with my brothers and play the game that I had, been lo- I had loved for so long, you know, because you never know when it's going to be your last chance. Sure. You know? And so, you know, I think a lot of these guys, this is definitively the last opportunity to suit up for, for UCLA. And so I think, you know, for the seniors, absolutely. For the guys who want to, to send the seniors off, you know, uh, with some positive memories, absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, this was Cal. You know, Cal is, you know, it's not quite the USC game, but this is among all the rivalries that we have in this conference. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, <laughs> Absolutely, we we want to continue to play spoiler to an extent, even though Cal is uh, bowl eligible now. But we want to we want to go ahead and stick it to them and and, and, and and make sure they feel it going into the bowl season. So hopefully they're getting that mentality. You know, there's a number of factors that go into that. The mentalities of the coaching, what are the coaching staff telling the players? You know, da da da. But at the end of it all, you know, these guys gonna want to go out and play, and, and I I. I I have every belief in the world to have watched these guys this season. There's not a lot of quit in these guys, and I think they'll go out and play hard. Okay. Well, the line for your guys' game is actually dead even, so kind of a toss-up game. Uh, what do you fear uh, from the Cal team going into this game, or is there anything to fear from this Cal team? I mean, again, USC kind of played around with Cal, uh, with their victory, but you know anything of the. But again, also USC. Remember, we didn't. We took out their star running back and their star quarterback, so didn't really face a strong or you know fully fully functional Cal team. Uh, anything you have to fear about from Cal going into this game? Well, they got defense. They okay. play good defense over there, Cal. Yeah, you know? uh, Evan Weaver is considered one of the best. Uh, middle linebackers in the country. You know, he's, I, I believe he still leads the country in total tackles. I might be wrong, but he's certainly in the, among the top tacklers in the country so far. So right now, he has 164 tackles right. through 11 games, which is phenomenal, obviously. The 10 tackles lost, two and a half tackles, um, sack. You know, and he's, he's a big old country fed, you know, strong middle linebacker, you know, Physically limited, probably, but plays hard and, and hits hard. And, I mean, he laid some he laid some licks on us last year and the year before. Um, so he's made an impression on this program in the past. But he leads with he leads a good defense, you know, that can make plays. On top of that, Chase Garber <laughs> is back. Uh, Christopher Brown, uh, excuse me, Chase Garber's back at quarterback for Cal. 
Christopher Brown is back at running back. You know, two guys that you didn't have to face very much uh, in your matchup with them. And Chase Carver, you know, had he been healthy all season, can make a case that he is certainly among the better quarterbacks in the conference. You know, this guy can make plays with his arm and his legs. And, you know, an efficient passer. He does really good things within their offense. Has a good grasp of it ever since he came in and played as a true freshman. You know, on the season, he's got 1,270 yards, nine touchdowns, and two interceptions. You know, completing just under 60% of his passes on the season. You know, um, this is a guy who, who can beat you if you let him. You know, and Christopher Brown, even though he's slowed down significantly, you know, um, they're for their running game on the season. And he's only managed to play, excuse me, he's played all 11 games but has not managed to complete, you know, uh, very many of their games through the latter half of the season. And he on the season has 683 yards and six touchdowns on the year. You know, and those numbers don't even really speak to his level of effectiveness if he's healthy and playing at his best. Marcel Dancy, same thing. They have a good one-two punch with Christopher Brown and Marcel Dancy are running back. You know, and this is a defense for UCLA that has at times had trouble stopping the run and stopping the big play. And, you know, we're fortunate. Calvin's have a lot of guys who can stretch the field against you on offense. Um, so, you know, our, it, it matches up well for our defensive backs. If we can keep everything in front of us, you know, if we can get in Chase Garber's face, you know, um, you know, and this is a guy who has had a hard time staying healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, getting after him and rattling him and putting some hits on him might get inside of his head a little bit. <laughs> you know, Ben, you know, UCLA certainly has a chance. And offensively, you know, as good as Cal's defense can be at times, you know, this offense for UCLA, if they're, they're, if they're playing at their best, I don't believe there's anyone in the country who can stop them consistently if they're playing their best, you know. Right. finish off the preview of this game real quick question uh we could also touch about this when it actually if it actually happens but with a win or with a win in this game do you think that would be enough to consider this a okay season or is the season still kind of a washed up season or or how would you rate this season if you guys win against Cal even after suffering a loss against USC uh, any way you slice it 
despite the factors, you know, and having 87 freshmen and sophomores, that's a factor. You know, having significant injuries throughout the season, those are factors. Despite those factors, this is a bad, it's a bad season, you know. Any season where you don't have a winning record, you don't have a winning record, you know, if you're not upwards of nine wins plus, if you're not going to a bowl game, that's a bad year, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, and we have to treat it a little bit like last year. You hope that that bad taste in their mouth starts to affect them to the point where we start doing things in this program that allow us to be successful. Mm. You know, and a lot of us on the outside looking in, we're not necessarily sure what that is yet. Mm. You know? Okay. Um, and so I may as well mention this now. Sure. Um, I talked a little bit about, um, you know, a lot of different factors going into this game. And so several hours ago today, um, there have been reports that as, as soon as maybe next week, Chip Kelly may be stepping away from the program. Wow. And, uh, both he and the, uh, you know, the, the athletic director and his administration are unhappy with the current situation. Now, that's been really undefined as terms as, as far as what exactly that means. You know, who's unhappy with what and why and, and <laughs> what that all really means. Um, and again, these are just reports. Sure. But it is, I, you know, I've done a little bit of research and it's been pretty wide widely reported and so you know if we're hearing that then the team is hearing that yep you know and you really wonder the night before a game you know how that how, how is Chick Kelly addressing that how is that affecting the team how is that affecting our recruits oh yeah you know, so many different things you know and so so likelihood you know I, I don't know what the likelihood is you know there's so many different things to take into consideration I don't know what his buyout is there's been some talk about him returning some money. Uh, it, like, you know, if, if, if everything is true, it sounds like he is as unhappy with this current situation, which got it says a lot, um, as as the fan base and the administration has been with the performance so far. Wow. You know, and I don't know who looks worse than that. The administration, you know, who can't retain a highly sought-after coach and put him in a position to be successful. Or does it look worse for Kelly, who came in and took all this money and as lauded as he, as he was and has not been able to find the success that we seem to be promised? Sure. You know? Plus, but this... this. At the end of it... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish, finish your thought. Uh, no, I was going to say, you know, maybe, maybe we're in the Urban Meyer sweet space. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> you know, but this... I mean, it... it, it, it it checks a lot of boxes in terms of, you know, questions we need answered in soon. Sure. So. I, I was, I was so. going to say, it, it definitely makes it interesting for Kelly because this is now two or technically three now straight programs. Uh, you have UCLA, his tenure at San Francisco, his tenure at Philadelphia. He hasn't had success right. since Oregon. So I'm curious if maybe the magic that lightning in a bottle was all that it was, you know, just the right right place at the right time. I think Marcus Mariota makes 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 you look really good, right? As good as he was, you know. And granted, he didn't have Marcus. I think he had Mark what? He had him freshman sophomore year. Yeah, yeah. You know, before that, he had Darren Thompson, Thomas, and some other guys. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been, who knows, 
You know, mm-hmm. I think that Oregon was one of those anomalies because of the nature of their program. They were allowed, they were able to draw some some talent. And Kelly, he was really innovative at the time. He was running a system that now, and he's very it's vanilla now. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, because now everybody does that. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So he's not bringing anything new to the table, and some of the decisions he's made have been they've been boneheaded. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Mm-hmm. and you know, I, I told people before, like, I don't, I, I, I'm all in on this team, mm-hmm. always, you know, but I'm, I'm, I've never, I feel the same way about Kelly as you do about Helton, I'm not in. Mm. You know? Yeah, you've, yeah, you've definitely, I remember when Coach Kelly was first rumored and then announced, you were the first person to say no. You, you even before Coach Kelly stepped foot into onto UCLA campus, you were yeah. adamant that he is not the guy. So, yeah. no. And, and nothing against Kelly. It's right. Just, you know, I think that this team and this program, you know, needs a certain guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it, needs, it needs some of the things that Jim Moore brought to the program. Oh, definitely. At least initially. Definitely. I, um, as a USC fan and a UCLA hater, I will definitely say Mora has been one of the best things that have happened to your program uh, in the last, good Lord, in the last, since like the 80s for you guys. Ah, no, in the 90s. You guys had a good run in the 90s. Since the 90s for you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you had a good run in the 90s, you know. Um, you know, you, you kind of helped out with that too a little bit, your part. Oh, so a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but all right. Well, then with that being said, let's, uh, let's, uh, we have time. Let's talk about then coaching over at USC. So, uh, I, uh, I know you have thoughts on this. Uh, I'm, I will just kind of reiterate my thinking on this. Um, you know, I think timing is everything. Obviously, as much as as I I would love to have had Helton gone already, you know, again the slight chance that USC could make the bowl the championship game. Um, I don't think bowl the bowl game is as important because nowadays I don't think anybody really takes the bowl games very seriously anyway. Um, we we've we've discussed this before about senior players kind of bowing out of not playing the bowl game instead of focusing again on like you've mentioned before preparing for draft, um, preparing for their own careers. So you know if you're not in one of the big six or in the playoffs, the bowl game kind of seems you know a, a a throwaway game. So it, and honestly, this recruiting class is pretty much gone already. Uh, fortunately for USC, if you want to look on the bright side of things, we're not bringing in a lot of players anyways because we have a good majority of sophomores and juniors. We're losing only like a couple of players, uh, one of them being Pittman um, and another one being probably um, uh, John Houston. Uh, other than that, we, we pretty much have everybody else staying. So you can kind of give up one class as a wash and then hopefully rebuild on the next one. So, you know, the only concern that I have, and I'm not concerned now with all the news about UCLA now looking for a new head coach, but the only concern I have is that, yeah, obviously there'll be somebody else looking for a head coach and there will be offers to Urban and there will be offers that are going to be, you know, just as good as the USC offers. So, 
you know, it's, it's, again, it's scary to say that what looked like should have been a sure thing, you know, kind of looks more and more, again, especially if you hear the rumors about how much Carol Fultz seems to love Coach Helton, how much it seems like there's so many people that are still on Helton's side because the guy is so nice. He won't through, he won't screw, screw things up. He's going to cost $20 million to, to buy out anyway. Um, it's, it's scary. It's really, really scary to see what might happen in the next couple of weeks, if not days. You know, Monday seems, again, like a good day as any to make a decision on a coaching staff. But, but any thoughts on that, Anthony, with, with what, what it looks like at USC? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I think maybe you can be at least a little heartened, Josh, and okay. your fan base as well. I, I, look, I think if there's any realistic chance that Urban Meyer would be in the fold next year, uh-huh. you guys would unload Helton yesterday. Mm. You, know? you know, so I, look, they're, they're, these, te- these teams and these programs, they hire headhunters. They, they hire people to do the research and to go out and find out how who's available, who's going to, who's interested, who's going to come where. I feel like USC, you know, even with their flux at the AD, they probably have a good idea of what their chances are of landing a guy. And, and look, Urban Meyer is a sexy name. He's, he's the same kind of sexy name that Chip Kelly was several years ago, obviously. Sure. You know, um, he, he seems like a guy that's going to come in and turn around your program. You know, but I think a lot of times people get so enamored with with Urban Meyer and his his level of success, they forget all the baggage that's come with him. You know, and, and I don't think Urban Meyer's a bad guy. I don't, I don't look at him. He's not cheater. He's not dirty coach or anything like that. It's just it's the nature of being a head coach. A lot of those things fall on you. You know, at the end of the day. But one, he's not a young guy. Two, he's not—he's not in great health. He left Florida because he had heart issues. You know, this was this was the second program he's left in the midst of like a very successful run. You know, and so I don't—you know—at the end of it, I don't think an AD is looking for a guy who's going to come in and just be a gun for hire and maybe maybe win you a championship and then bail. You know. I think a program like USC and UCLA as well, we need to be thinking, looking at the long game and considering, like, who can come in here and find success in the long term. And I've had several of my coaching coaches in my, in my mind who I'd, who I'd consider hiring long before Urban Meyer. Really? You know, for a program like UCLA. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Listen, Urban Meyer's, Urban Meyer is obviously, uh, obviously a great coach. Mm-hmm. She's not a long-term solution. Oh, okay. Not. Okay. You know, he's not a long-term solution. You know, he's an older guy. He's, he's, been, a, he's been a nomad for as long as he's been a coach. You know, <laughs> and that, that seems to be more and more the case the older he gets and the more time that passes. You know, but, you know, I think of guys like, you know, Coach Brahma at Baylor, who, mm. who has a history at UCLA. Sure. You know, he was, he was one of our assistant coaches for our D-line when I was at UCLA. I would love to see him there. You know, young coaches... Young, innovative coaches who bring in a winning mentality, those are the kind of coaches that these need to, that we need to bring in, mm. you know? Okay. Um, who, can, who can be a long-term solution and, and bring sustained success. So uh, uh, who that is and what that looks like, who knows? Mm. <laughs> you know? And who knows if that guy is even available next year? My, my hope has always been, look, Chip Kelly's here. 
we need to be sure that his replacement is available before we unload him. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah, you know, and, and same with Helton. You, you know, I, I would hope that USC, UCLA, both are being strategic in terms of how they're looking at this, and they're just not unloading a coach because they feel pressure from the fan base. Like, yeah. if USC wins, loses one game, the fan base wants to go shot fire. Yeah, I, okay, 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 okay. I, I will agree with you to some extent of that, but, but this is not just one game, uh-huh. and this is just not no, one season. This is a couple of years now, and a consistently telling uh, repeat of history of just the same flaws in a system that should not be so flawed um again not to go on my soapbox but just saying with the type of talent that we have that we've had for the last couple of years we should be better off than where we are and sadly it really does look and again like i mentioned before you fire your offensive coordinator and you hire a new offensive coordinator that has a pretty damn good record. And what happens? Your offense, which was very vanilla last year, is now one of the best offenses, if not in the Pac-12, but in the entire country. But yet you still keep your defenses, your defensive coach, and your special teams coach in areas where, especially when it comes to special teams, was horrendous last year and is still horrendous this year. You know, it doesn't take a genius to see what the trend is here and where the changes need to be made. But yet, for whatever reason, Helton doesn't want to make those changes. So therefore, the change should be made for him, you know? So just like you mentioned about how Coach Kelly makes these bonehead mistakes, Helton has too. Yeah. And, and, and funny enough, that, that apparently is part of the reason why the administration is not happy with Kelly as well. Uh, apparently there's been some pressure put on him to replace coaches like Jerry Azarino, the defensive coordinator. Ah. And there's been some hesitancy by Kelly to let go, let go of those guys. Mm. And, you know, like, <laughs> if that's the case, then, I, I'm, you know, I get it. I get why the administration feels the need to move on because, look, there's obviously been an issue. And, and Jerry Azarino, look, I, I don't think it really speaks to him as a coach. He's a guy who's had a ton of success throughout his career, and, and he's a seasoned guy, and, and you know he's coached a lot of great players. He just hasn't worked here, you know. And so, it, it, you have to look at the situation and decide whether or not it's time to move on. The administration has a say in all of this, and they feel like it's time to move on. And I and I think a lot of people don't disagree given mm. the level of success. So, you know, and, and, you know, so Helton and Kelly are both going, it sounds like, through a similar issue um, of, you know, wanting to keep guys who have been close to them, close to them, you know, um, and, and if it's not working, it's not working. And so everybody has, has a hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. It's always a hard decision. You know, I think it'll be a hard decision for USC to let go of a guy who, you know, has sustained USC for some times that were not necessarily ideal. Yeah, so, no, and and you sure, sure. I I will give credit where it's due. Helton definitely has done what he was supposed to do: not screw things up, not be drunk in public, not be right. a complete bonehead when it comes to opening his mouth. But he also kind of didn't do what he's supposed to do, 
win championships, uh, get us into the Rose Bowl almost every year, you know? I mean, again, and, you know, he's had the talent too. You can't say he hasn't had the weapons, you know? Sam Darnold has started to light it up again in the pros, you know, after having mono, <laughs> surprisingly having mono <laughs> as a grown adult. But, you know, the... um you know, but the point is, Helton has had the ability to do things, and he hasn't. And yeah, yeah, I think you're right. There is going to be some tough decisions, and I'm just hoping that those decisions are made well. But anyways, uh, wrapping things up real quickly. So Anthony forgot to mention, forgot to ask you, what do you think? Are you, <laughs> what do you think the the results are going to be in your game with UCLA Man. versus Cal? UCLA wins every game, as far as I'm concerned. We're 12-0 after tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> I like that attitude. All right. So once again, the slate of games for this weekend, or technically tomorrow, Oregon State at number 14, Oregon, 1 p.m. Pac-12. Hopefully Oregon wins, maintains their status, if not increases their ranking so that when they face off against Utah, who should defeat Colorado, 4.30 p.m. at ABC, uh, then Utah can get a good spot into the uh, pack into the playoffs, but watch more than likely Oregon beats Utah and totally screws up everything for the Pack 12. Um, number yeah. 16, Notre Dame takes on Stanford 1 p.m. at Fox, Arizona at ASU 7 p.m. on ESPN, and of course, Cal at UCLA 7 30 p.m. Fox Sports 1. Hopefully, the game is not as rainy as it's supposed to be. I was telling Anthony before we recorded that it has been rainy here in LA, it's predicted to rain tomorrow. So, good luck, uh, UCLA fans, Cal fans. I think it's gonna be a soggy, soggy game for you guys. Um, but again, Probably. if you have the ability, go out, support the Pac-12, support, uh, back the pack, support the Bruins. Um, you know, <laughs> season's almost done. The season's almost done, Anthony. Can you believe that? I know. It's insane, man. It, it is it's crazy. Really crazy. It's crazy. Well, uh, just to get over some uh, housekeeping, we are going to have a wrap-up podcast next week, uh, wrapping up uh, the Cal-UCLA game previewing the bowl game that USC will go to. Hopefully, we'll have some word on who's going to be coaching our teams next year. Uh, And we will have that recap, too, of going over where we feel our team should be going next season. Hopefully, bowling. Hopefully, championships. But again, lots of things still have to be decided just with who's going to be coaching our respective teams uh, next year. But... uh, yeah, Anthony, it's uh, it's been a crazy season so far. Anything you want to say to our fans uh, before we sign off? No, you know, it's, it's again, just to reiterate what you said, it's been a crazy season, but, uh, you know, and, and through the tough times and whatever else, it's been fun to watch these guys go out there and give it their all and, and play. You know, we get to sit here and critique them afterwards and, and everything, but... You know, I'm thankful for, you know, the opportunity to watch these guys week in and week out and, and to see their effort out in the field. And so, you know, to reiterate, you know, go ahead and pack, back to pack this, this week. You know, um, we really need Utah to get a shot in the playoff this year just to, to up our standing. Yeah. We got some, I, think, I think this conference has good, still got some good years at them. You look at the quarterback talent, the young quarterback talent in this conference, is going to be the best in the country next oh, year. Oh, hands and, down. Hands yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. And we all 
know it starts with the quarterback position and everything kind of flows from that. And so, you know, I think we got some exciting years ahead of us, but I want I want the rest of the country to start taking the Pac-12 seriously again. And, and so we need that as a fan base and as a conference. So back to pack this week. Let's get those ratings up. Stay up past your bedtime. Watch our guys <laughs> play. And then go Bruins. Ah, there you go. Couldn't put it quite better myself. All right. For Anthony Fletcher, I'm Joshua Shibata. Thank you very much for listening to the SoCal Showdown podcast. You have yourselves a great day and a pleasant and warm good night. Go Bruins!